0: Welcome to Keys to the Kingdom, I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. I want to apologize to everybody who tried to listen to us on Blog Talk this morning. Evidently there was a slight little glitch in the way we set up the program, a setting got changed, and the program was set for three hours later than we intended, Uh, and we will have that show anyway so everybody who gets up late can hear it as then that will be at um ten thirty eastern or uh, pacific time and I've already sent out a notice on the network uh, explaining that and so everybody should be able to get that notice and figure out where we're going to be at at ten thirty our time and what time that is where you are um Today we're going to talk about a lot of things, uh, alternatives. People need alternatives. You've just heard the news uh, on this show. You'll see that uh, a lot of things going on in the news. One of the things is that there was a special exemption from employee firing and hiring and regulations that you see uh, regulating most employment opportunities Uh, where they could fire a minister at a religious institution and were not subject to all the other regulations that everybody else was subject to. This is not something new. You can go back thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and you'll find that people who are ministers are exempt or excluded. Everybody in Egypt went into the bondage of Egypt, but not the ministers. The ministers didn't go under the bondage of Egypt. They lived on a stipend. Now, why were they paying them a stipend? Because they were really good at choir practice, because they really knew the uh, you know, the religious texts of the day. Uh, what were the priests and ministers? Why were they receiving a stipend, and why were they not under the bondage of Egypt? And why is that still true today for true ministers? So that's a that's a big question. What were these ministers doing? I mean, we have a B-movie imaginative uh, view of what priests and ministers did back in ancient times. But ancient times were often very hard, and those ministers had a real function in society and a real purpose, and you have ministers today, but most of your ministers are not excluded, even with those laws. It's all mixed up in our heads, and that's the way evil likes it. It likes you all mixed up. It likes you confused. It likes you uh, kind of lost in the wilderness, but it also wants you to think that you are not lost because it's easier to control you if you think that you are not controlled and not lost and not confused. Uh, So we're going to touch on a lot of that, but we're going to lay some groundwork. One of the things that we want to uh, look at that is uh, about alternatives is this concept of communitarianism. Uh, Communitarianism is an ideology that emphasizes the connection between the individual and the community. That communities may be the family unit, but it can also be understood in a far wider sense of personal interaction, of geographical location, or of a shared history. So what is communitarianism? Actually, if you look it up in Wikipedia, you'll see a lot of different... Uh, uh, Ideas voiced uh, in relationship to communitarianism and they can't seem to find out is this a liberal or a conservative viewpoint. Uh, And the reason why is the difference between that which connects you as a community. The manner in which you connect will determine the nature of your communitarianism the nature of your community and even the nature of your family. It will change everything because community is an essential part of the gregarious nature of mankind. Do you have an authoritarian community? Are you all connected and bound by contract? Well, of course, if you were all paying attention to the Bible, either Old Testament or New Testament, you wouldn't be bound by contract because you would have kept the Ten Commandments and you would have not made such contracts because you were not to make any covenants with them nor with their gods, gods being simply ruling judges, not stone idols. Stone idols were just used to uh, represent the gods like a statue or a badge might represent the authority of an individual because you don't make contracts with an idol. You make contracts with people. You make agreements and covenants with agreement in the uh, in form of an agreement or contracts or constitutions, and that's why we wrote the book: contracts, uh, covenants, contracts, and constitutions, uh, so that you get an idea that these are these are agreements, and you should not be making them, especially if these agreements uh, bind you, and that's what most communities are connected by is these bonds of contract and there are lots of forms of these contracts most of us didn't actually sign the constitution of the united states but we signed lots of other things which bind us as a party to what was created by the constitution most people don't understand that me most people don't understand that the Constitution was a contract between the states and the contract's purpose was to create an additional body politic and that body politic uh, body politic would consist of congressmen and senators and presidents and secretaries and even post office uh, um, employees to some degree that would be working for the federal government, would be part of a government, a international government, serving different nations, and those different nations were the states, which is why you read in Clark's Summary of U.S. American Law that uh, the states were as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada, even after the signing uh, and, and agreeing to the Constitution of the United States. The states were foreign to each other. Now, that was not the case after the Civil War. Civil Wars often change things depending on who wins. They almost always change things no matter who wins, but how they're changed depends on who wins the Civil War. In this case, the federal government won the Civil War, and the states took oath of to fealty. Now that wasn't the end of it. There was a lot more things that they did. But eventually, the people became not citizens of the states in which they live, but residents in the states in which they live, and citizens of the United States. And the nature of their relationship to government changed. And that is one of the things that alters communitarianism how that relationship is created. So in the community that you live in, just like in communities of the past, such as Israel at the time of Moses, you became a nation by virtue of your membership in the United States. And you became a party to that institution created by the Constitution. You were never a party to the Constitution. That's been ruled over and over again by the Supreme Court. And we the people does not refer to you. It refers to the states and only to a certain number of the people of the states, not all the people of the states. This is why it was never put to popular vote. So now understanding that, that your relationship to government can change and therefore your relationship to community can change, we need to take a look at one other Aspect before we start looking at alternatives, alternatives to government, alternatives to banking, alternatives to all those benefits that you get from the governments of the world that bind you. And that is, who is your priests and ministers? Now, in early church history, Christians no longer could get benefits from men who called themselves benefactors but exercised authority one over the other. In other words, you couldn't go and apply for free bread from Rome. You couldn't go and apply for free bread from Herod. You couldn't go and apply for any of those benefits that cost your neighbor money or sweat or toil. You couldn't go and apply for those because that would be coveting your neighbor's goods and we were still supposed to keep the commandments and we know that because Jesus said, all the commandments hinged on two commandments, love God and love thy neighbor as thyself. So you still had to keep the commandments, but he just kind of summed it up into two basic commandments, which he gave us. Because we know that it's not loving your neighbor if you send men to his house and force them at gunpoint and under threat of jail and threat of penalty and fines to contribute, so that you can have free education, free health care, and all the other things that you want for free. That would be coveting your neighbor's goods. It would be a violation of the Ten Commandments. It certainly would be a violation of the commandment given to us by Christ to love your neighbor, because that's not loving your neighbor. That's controlling your neighbor and taking away his rights to choose, taking away his right of choice, taking away his liberty. And you're not supposed to be doing that. That's wrong of you to do that. That's a sin. That's a violation of the Ten Commandments. a violation of the commandments of God. So we're not supposed to do that. So, therefore, you're not to go and apply to the priests and ministers of governments who operate that way. And if you hadn't done that for the last hundred years, you would still be a free nation today. You would not be citizens of the United States, or at least the United States would not be one of those benefactors who exercise authority, but you've done it. So now what are you going to do? Anyway, I see some people were noticing that they couldn't get in on blog talk today, and I guess they're explaining that uh, blog talk will be at 1030 PS uh, time Pacific Standard Time. and uh, So anyway, I just thought I'd mention that again for anybody who's coming on to this show late as that blog talk got delayed for three hours. <laughs> but anyway, um, so who are your priests and ministers? Well, they're the people down at the county seat and the courthouses and all those places that you go to get government services. Those are the people who minister to you. Those are the priests. And when you make your sacrifice, you know, people say, oh, blood sacrifice or the the sacrifice was done away with at the cross. Well, not for you because you've made covenants with unbelievers. And so, therefore, you have to sacrifice on their altars and give to their priests and ministers. And they will take care of you according to what they want to do And they actually do take care of many people. I know many people who are receiving Social Security benefits. That's your Corbin. You're taken care of by the altars of Social Security. That is your sacrifice. And that is how you are taken care of. And that's how people were taken care of in Egypt. Once they went into the bondage of Egypt, 20% of everything they did during a given year, the value of that had to be given to Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh took care of the needs of the people in time of calamity. The problem is, that's too much power in the hands of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh will become corrupt, and he'll start making his instruments of war, he'll start taking your sons and daughters, he'll start taking the best of your fields, because he can. That's why we do it, because so, we can, and not the same <laughs> They can, because, and they can because you have contracted with them. You have made agreements with them. And your parents have sold you into bondage, and now you're in bondage. So now you want to not be in bondage. So what do you do? You have to repent. You have to start gleaning in the field at night for your benefits and stop sucking the benefits of Caesar, Pharaoh, Nimrod. Now, you may not be able to go cold turkey without starving to death in the ditch. So what did they do in Egypt? They continued to pay their tally of bricks, but they started gleaning in the field at night for their straw until they got good at that. Again, that was communitarianism through voluntary compliance with the needs of your neighbor. Voluntary sacrifice. That changes you, changes your neighbor, changes the nature of your community. Now, in the United States, they formed a gigantic socialist community. They've done this in Australia and Canada and England and all throughout the European Union and in many other countries. The poorer the country, the less... They uh, do that, but even in some of the poorest countries, there is elements of that socialism there. And that socialism weakens the community and strengthens the central government. I saw an article the other day about Obama that wanted to consolidate departments. Supposedly that's to save money, but when you consolidate those departments, you unite them under a single head, that's centralizing power again, and that's going one direction. Seeking the kingdom of God is going in the absolute opposite direction. You do not consolidate departments. You do not consolidate congregations. You decentralize every choice there is to make in government. In a congregation, every elder of that congregation will have to come together with every other elder in that congregation and make choices. And they need to have a minister who helps facilitate those choices. And they need to support that minister in whatever work he does. And that's their tax. You can call it a tide, but that's their tax. Do you have to give them 10% of everything you earn? If they need it to do the job, yes. If they don't need it to do the job, no, because you only tithe to them according to their service. But first you have to come together and pick that minister. And you have to start looking to him more and more for those social services you've been looking to, the benefactors who exercise authority. Now, I know there's a lot of young men out there and even some young women out there, or mediumly young, young compared to me, that are getting by without being a part of any congregation and not being a part of the government of the world. And they say, well, we can just do this because we're strong and we're healthy. Have at it. But that's not kingdom. Kingdom is coming together, not forsaking the gathering together. You don't come together because you need help. You come together because you need to help others. Because Christ came to help others. And so, therefore, you need to have that as a primary motivation in your life. They become the ministers of your community. Every elder was a minister of the community in the kingdom of God from the Levites on, from Abraham on. Every elder was a minister. But they got together and they picked a specific guy who was their minister of their congregation. He was the firstborn of a society The firstborn in your family was the priest of your household, and your household included your grandfather and you and your sons and their wives, and that was a family. And you had to take care of not only everybody in your family, but other members of society when it was necessary because you you didn't just do it because someone was poor, you did it because it was necessary for someone who had fallen or gotten injured or gotten ill or just needed help. You helped them start businesses. You helped them become fruitful. And that was the kingdom of God because you care about others as much as you care about yourself because that's the nature of Christ. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing anything in the name of Christ. No matter what words come out of your mouth, if you are not gathering together for the purposes of taking care of one another, you are not doing anything in the name of Christ. Write that down. <laughs> okay. So now, if you want to get to some of the alternative monies, alternative banking, alternative government. You need to understand those basic principles, and that's what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of hours. Yeah, if if you have a question, I do have the chat room open. I don't watch it all the time. I cannot take the time to read everything that's going on in the chat room. Uh, but just put a bunch of question marks there, and that will pop up, and I will read that question, but make it good. <laughs> Oh. Okay. too. Did, did you have one already, Paul? No,
1: but I will be there reading it, too, so you don't have oh, to. Oh,
0: yeah, I knew another. you were on the job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and, of course, uh, if I grab the right mouse here, I can pull up real quick. Oops. The telephone number. <laughs> 414-395-2442. 414 Three hundred ninety-five, two thousand four hundred and forty-two. Uh, so anyway, if you have a question, you want to call in and get somebody else's voice on here besides me. Uh, there is, but anyway, a,
1: there is a question now.
0: Okay, there's a question. Says,
1: so then, a minister needs to just have the vote of fifty-one percent of the congregation in order to lead. Isn't that democracy?
0: Where did he get the idea that that was the case? <laughs> Uh yeah that's uh that question is to get <laughs> is that from David Cawthern? No, David in C. No, David in California. Oh David in California. No, there's there's no democracy. <laughs> For one thing, the uh, minister has no authority except over himself and his ministry. He's a leader because he might be doing things first, he might be a better example. Uh, but he doesn't come in and twist anybody's arm. He doesn't take away anybody else's rights. He doesn't make anybody else do something in a certain way. Uh, so the idea that, you know, that uh, 51% of the congregation picks a minister and then everybody else is stuck with it, where does that come in? One thing, if anybody read the Free Church Report, they should start be putting some of the ideas together, and, and probably this is a good thing to, to address is that a congregation in the kingdom of God is simply composed of congregates. A congregate is someone who has peaceably assembled. There is no corporate nature to a congregation. It is not a body that is a body politic in the sense of a bound group of men or women. It is individuals who happen to walk into the same room at the same time. Now, they may go on record as saying, this is my minister, individually. Every man there who chooses this man to be his minister, he should bear witness to that fact. This is the man I look to as my minister. He has no authority. We are forbidden by Christ's own words in his doctrine not to exercise authority one over the other. So electing him has nothing to do with 51%, 75%, 99%. And we'll tell you what it does have to do with when we come back to keys of the kingdom after a short break. From the sponsors of this station.
2: Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately, and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe, so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host cause and anywhere else the spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our god and creator for his holy nation the only kingdom that will last forever thank you for listening If you read the history books, the most often asked questions of Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South.
3: Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Pass Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free?
0: Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking about the Kingdom of God. I was looking at the chat room here, and uh, Nisan is with me uh, sitting here, uh, and uh, he was explaining who some of these people are in the chat room. I don't know who everybody is, but uh, uh, I see Gordon is there, and in case you didn't get my email yesterday, Gordon, yeah, it's okay to come. (laughs) So... (laughs) And I see Mark in Texas, and I see King's Pilgrim. That's got to be the guy north of me. I haven't heard from him lately, but I see he's listening to the radio show, it looks like, because there's only so many King's Pilgrims out there. (laughs) And uh, I see a few others uh, that I don't really recognize. Uh, But anyway, we were talking about how do you elect a minister. Well, you elect a minister because you elect him for yourself. That's who you choose. And we establish all things with two or more witnesses. So we look for, before we recognize somebody as a minister of the people, for the people and by the people, <laughs> we look for two people that have elected that minister. It's not a democracy, it's just a choice and a bearing witness that this is my minister. And another guy says, This is my minister. We got two people saying, This is their minister of Christ and we accept that as testimony. Now do we see that minister doing the job of a minister of Christ? Well, that will come with time. We have to watch, we have to see. He has to so we need records to see. He has to do it in the open, not in the dark. So he keeps records. A congregation is not an unincorporated association. It is a peaceable assembly of free individuals. Now, they may not all be free, but if they're not free, it has nothing to do with their relationship with their minister. Because the whole purpose of burnt offerings on living altars is to keep you free. In other words, when you contribute to that minister, you give him entirely the substance of your gift. You do not put a hook in it. You do not put strings attached into it. Uh, you're not dipping uh, into uh, the coffer with a string attached to your offering. You let go of it. It is completely given up. These are precepts upon precepts we see in Old and New Testament. Now, if that minister does not do a good job with what he gives, another reason why there should be records, so that we know what he's doing. You have to realize, people say, oh, well, we're not supposed to tell anybody what we give, and that's supposed to be all secret because Jesus said so. What you give to your minister does not belong to your minister. He has to keep records about that because it's not his. It's Christ. It's like giving a letter to a postman. That letter does not belong to the postman. He treats it as if it's his own because he protects it, but he has a mission to deliver it to the address on that letter. When you give an offering to your minister, he has an obligation to give that as Christ would give it. And you have an obligation to make sure he does that. And if he doesn't do that, stop giving to him. That is your power of choice. The government is in the hands of every elder of every congregation. The only thing that is given up is the offering itself, not your choice to give or not give. That means the power, the power remains with you. So anyway, so it's not democracy. We got that pretty well nailed down, I think. (laughs) It's amazing how many times we have to explain that over and over again. Picking a personal contact minister on the Living Network at hisholychurch.org has nothing to do with a democracy either. It has nothing to do with electing a leader who can exercise authority. It's about giving someone a chance to serve you and others and to become a part of a living network of connections between people seeking the kingdom of God. And if you will not pick a personal contact minister, that's evidence to us that you don't really want to find the kingdom because you're not enlisting. any. It's like you got somebody lost in the woods. And so you're going to go out there in the woods and somebody says, okay, you take this section, you take this section, you take this section, and we'll check all these areas. You guys walk, you know, 10 feet apart and so that you don't lose sight of any particular part of the ground, et cetera, et cetera, and we'll cover this whole area. And you say, oh, I don't want to do it like that. I just want to wander around until I find somebody. <laughs> well, then, <clears throat> if if you're organizing uh The guy who's organized is going to put somebody else in your section because you're a flake. You just want to go do your own thing. You don't want to be a part of anything else. You don't want to serve anybody else. You don't want. You just want to go do your own thing. Have at it. It's a free country. You know, if if you if you want to go in grizzly bear country, you is you, oh, I don't want to take a gun because I don't believe in violence. Well, have at it. <laughs> Uh, it's no skin off my nose, but it might be some skin off your nose. Because <laughs> the grizzly bear may not have your same philosophy about nonviolence. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, is that do not forsake the gathering together, but that's all you're doing in a congregation, and the reason you keep records about it is so that we don't lose track of anybody. It's a buddy system times ten. I think I've said that once or twice. So anyway, back to the original topic, Uh, grabbing the right mouse again and pulling up my notes. Uh, So who's your minister? Who loves you, baby? Is it the people down at the county seat? Is it the people at the Social Security Administration? Is it the minister you picked or the minister that you have not yet picked and need to pick? Is it the minister you are there for or is it nobody? You're just an island unto yourself. You see, that's not kingdom thinking. Now, congregationalism is a form of communitarianism, but it's a very limited form because it has to do with your congregation. And the kingdom of heaven, although it's composed of individuals and individual families and individual congregations, those congregations must gather together for them to be kingdom congregations. And when you do that, you will find that you will now be able to find those other alternatives in banking and money and government because government requires a gregarious nature of communities gathering together. Now there are many things that might add to a community and we see that, you know, Boy Scouts, that actually adds to the community. Adults who would never meet, never talk, never know each other, know each other because their kids are in Boy Scouts or Brownies or Cub Scouts or whatever it is. So there's lots of little activities that you can do to foster community, and that's true in a congregation. congregation could form groups to visit the sick. Now, visiting the sick, as they mentioned in the Bible, is not just saying, hey, how are you? I uh, hear you're sick. It's actually taking care of the sick. It is your social welfare system. And it should be unspotted by the world, not depending on contributions uh, that are collected by men who exercise authority. So uh, that's what you need to do is to gather together and do these little things where you do them together, little projects. One of our projects was to create a church ID. We've created a church ID, but now our problem is there's nobody to give it to because we don't see anybody doing what the church is supposed to be doing, or at least not very many people. The church is ministers serving congregations. In the Old Testament, you'll see the phrase, Tents of the Congregation, or Tabernacle of the Congregation, actually is the way it's translated. Same word, Tabernacle, tent, same thing. It wasn't the congregation they all gathered around the single tabernacle. It was the congregations in their tents, in their own homes. This is why they talk about before they picked a king, they were told to go back to their tents. But after they picked a king, they were told to go back to their cities. After they said, what is David to us, and turned their back on the king, Rehoboam, because he would not set them free, they went back to their tents, not back to their cities. The difference between tent and city is one is a civil government you have made for yourself, binding each other by contract, and the other one, you go back to your own tent with all your rights intact, where you are Romeos, you are whole, you are sui jurors, and you. but you still gather together as a functioning member of a government of free people. You're still paying taxes. You're still providing services. You're still taking care of one another. But you're doing it by free will, gathering together in free congregations, free assembly. And your representative government is seen in your minister. But he can't make treaties. He can't create a central treasury. He cannot force taxes, force offerings. If you go back to Saul, when Saul became king, one of the first things he did was force a sacrifice. And for that reason, his kingdom would not stand. So how can any kingdom today, any government today, be expected to stand? It won't. The people are weakened. They, They will not stand. They will all come tumbling down. And there's not a thing you can do about it. But there is something you can do about your relationship with the community round about you. You can start seeking the kingdom in that relationship. Start setting your neighbor free. Stop making your neighbor contribute to your welfare and start seeking the alternative kingdom. So one of those alternatives is it, that we talked about this week on the PCM group and and send out a few emails here and there on is banking. And you know, I'm not going to probably have time to go through all of it. We have a website up on on an alternative form of banking. It's not going to be a pure form if we go with a federal credit union. Uh, or even a state credit union. But a credit union, one thing that I found interesting in studying credit unions a number of years ago is that a credit union uh, simply cannot be called a the bank. There's actually statutes in different countries that says you can call a credit union anything you want, but you can't call it a bank because credit union is not a bank. Now, federal regulations over the years have tried to hone it a little bit more in the direction of a bank, but it really isn't a bank. A banks still hate credit unions. Credit unions do not have the foreclosures you see going on in banks. Credit unions can forgive debt. Credit unions can decrease debt. Credit unions are not created for profit. As a matter of fact, the people who run the credit union, actually in charge, the board of directors, seven men, or seven people, uh, cannot receive any pay for their job. I mean, they could receive personal donations, but they cannot receive any pay from the credit union. They cannot profit. They cannot even earn a salary. As a uh, member of the board of directors, the only ones who get a salary are people who are actually laboring on a day to day basis, such as bookkeepers, tellers and and office managers, etc. And a credit union is not for profit. If it accidentally makes a profit, it has to return that profit to the people. Now it can hold funds. Uh, that are would might be considered uh, profit but they can't hold it for profit purposes they hold it so that they can forgive debt if they make extra money they are supposed to put aside a certain amount so that they can forgive debt if that comes out and because it's a membership organization now this is where credit unions fall down and that's by choice it's not by design is that If you had his church credit unions, your congregation see you uh, not being able to find a job, not being able to work, not being able to do what have you. They could very easily come together and help you out. You know, the the movie Big Fat Greek Wedding, you see in there where they're talking in the restaurant and they're, they're manipulating her father, but they they talk about needing something. Oh, what's the problem? Do you need money? Do you need help? Oh, well you could take Nikki and you could move this person over here and and they move their family members around to do different jobs so that somebody can go to school and learn what they want to learn. They help each other out. This creates bonds. And you can do this in communities as they do it in families. They don't hardly do it in families anymore. We've lost the secret of our success by wallowing in our success. But now our success is a fraud because we are a debt nation. We live in a debt society. And one of the major culprits in that are instruments that have been used in that to bring us to this point of bondage that was one of the things in the news program just before the show expect increased numbers of foreclosures in 2012 you thought you had seen enough millions and millions of people have lost their homes and now more are going to lose their homes this would not be happening if we of everybody who says they're a Christian in America were actually seeking the kingdom according to what Christ said, doctrines of Christ, we would not be having these foreclosures today. We would still be the richest nation in the world, but we would really be rich, and we would also be independent. We would also be not meddling in all these other foreign wars all over the world. We would be the envy of the whole world. And people would be trying to emulate us, and we wouldn't have to shoot them to force them to give freedom to their people because the people would see, even the leaders would see, that freedom is its own benefit, true freedom. And the wicked would be in the slums (laughs) or wherever they end up. They would be down there, you know, the bathtub ring of society, (laughs) because we would have all been headed for the kingdom for a hundred years, two hundred years, but we haven't been. We've been headed away from the kingdom, and I blame that on the ministers of the churches who don't would know freedom if it ran up and bit them. They're interested in gathering their little congregations and getting their little tithes and being put up on their little pedestal. They don't come in the name of Christ. They don't come to serve the people any more than... You know, they come to serve the people, but their book is a cookbook. they turn the Bible into a cookbook where they devour the people, and they use government to do it. You know, we have these prophecies in Revelation about the beast and the harlot, and everybody has their opinion as to who the harlot is, and it's pretty clear. According to even the, my confraternity Bible here that was given to me when I was in parochial school, uh, it defines that as uh, sitting on the seven hills and the seven hills of what? Seven hills of Rome. But all these Protestant churches are just the daughters of the harlot because they're doing the same thing. They're using the beast. They're not setting the people free, they're not uh, showing them the alternative, which is the kingdom. You don't need government to take care of you and the needs of your society and your community. You can do a better job yourselves if you do it with the love of Christ. You will not, the idea that you're supposed to help everybody who can't pay their rent or you're supposed to help everybody who, uh, uh, is a little bit hungry by giving them food and money, etc., cetera, is ridiculous. You might as well just go down to the bank, take your money out, and go to every bum on the street corner and throw money at them. Isn't that what the government does? Now we're the government of God. Christ didn't just heal everybody who came to him. He didn't answer every question that was given him. You tell me nothing, I tell you Nothing. You know he refused over and over again to heal one lady, finally did heal her, and they made a big point out of that was he healing everybody around about him? Yeah, it says everybody worthy of healing, and he was very there was only one time where he healed someone who didn't ask, but it doesn't say anywhere that he healed everybody who wanted to be healed. You know, uh, Peter walked by the blind man time and time again until he gave him sight. That man was always there at the temple. But one day he decided to heal him. Because it was time. Is it time for you to be healed? Is it time for you to get your sight back and see the kingdom is the alternative? If you have those congregations and congregations of congregations united all across the country and all around the world, you can start implementing a legitimate form of money. Still give the notes to the world because that's what the world wants. But you could have real money between yourselves, real exchange between yourselves, real charity between yourselves. And you wouldn't lose track of anybody because you'd have real ministers who actually care about you as much as they care about themselves. And you would have those kinds of ministers because you care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. If you're not forming congregations of record, it's like taking a kindergarten class to the zoo and saying, go run for it, have a good time. (laughs) You won't see all those kids when you get back that evening. (laughs) They'll be everywhere. People aren't gregarious enough. They need to have this buddy system set in place. It's too easy to lose track of people. That's why ministers only need ten families. That doesn't alleviate the family's responsibility because each family should be keeping track of each other, meeting on a regular basis to make sure... That someone is really okay. So, anyway, uh, any more questions? I see a question mark down there. What was that? Brother T.H. People of like mind, fiercely, uh independent souls who have been reborn, born again to the kingdom of God, and have had their minds renewed by the washing of water of the word. And then there's a question mark, but I don't see the question. <laughs> so, he's conversing with somebody else. In the chat room, there's a life of their own. <laughs> I thought that was a the question there. But, uh, so what was that all about, Paul?
1: Mm, not sure. That's why I didn't. Do. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> so anyway, also anyway, alternative banking. One form is a credit union, but of course, a credit union is not going to be the cure all. It's an interim step. It's kind of a rowboat. It's not dry ground. And we've talked about walk the plank. Uh, everybody's on board a pirate ship. and we talked about that, I think even last week on this show, if not on on the show that we have this afternoon. Um, that were pirate ships, all ships. And when you wanted to get off a ship, most of the time you walked a plank if it was in a harbor. They put a plank out and it went down to dry land and you walked that plank to get off the ship. And that at the bottom of the plank you say, hey, do I have permission to come aboard? And then you could walk up that plank to the ship. And that would run out that plank. Well, the pirates had this you know, clever idea of, letting you walk the plank and they weren't at shore (laughs) so you would go out to the end and just fall off um and the reason they did this in a couple of times anyway it wasn't that predominant but it's big in hollywood is that when you were captured by a pirate ship you had the choice of joining sometimes had the choice of joining the pirates if they weren't going to use you as ransom you would join the pirates and sign on as a crew member, and subordinating yourself to the captain and to the rest of the crew, and and that's the way they operated. Well, walking the plank is when you didn't you refused to join. Well, we're all going to get to walk the plank here one of these days. <laughs> so anyway, um, we'll be back after these words from your local station, and we'll tell you what your alternative to walking the plank is.
4: You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Now
3: listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Yeah. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of
2: the Church. Who will tell them, if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com.
0: Welcome back. Uh, So one of the other topics we're going to talk about is uh, de facto and de jure governments. And most people don't understand what that is. And then we're going to try to answer some of the questions from Australia. And if you have any questions in the chat room, we will answer those. And if you want to call in, you can call in on the number, which is 414 395 and 2,442. That's 414-395-2442. So anyway, de facto, uh, both of these phrases are Latin phrases. It's surprising how much law that we now see in America and Australia and England and, and many of the countries throughout the world is based upon Roman law. And that's why we have all these Latin words mixed into the law and de facto has to do with fact. That's pretty easy to remember. De jure has to do with law. Now, people often... uh Jure, uh, what you see is J-U-R-E, but it's actually would be I-U-R-E in uh, Latin because they didn't use the J, uh, was from Jus Juris, Jure, which was a Latin word that actually means uh law, or justice, or what is right. Uh, they had another term for legal systems, which was lex legis, legis, meaning to bind. Legal systems were created by those contracts that bind you, while law was created by God and is simply what is just right and fair. And so there's a big difference. But so anyway, when we're talking about de jure governments and de facto governments, You know, they have a number of different um, definitions. So a government can actually be de jure and de facto at the same time, depending on whose relationship we are talking about in relationship to that government. At the time that the Constitution was accepted, I don't use the word ratified because it was not legally ratified, according to the law at that time and the lex legis of that time, which was the Articles of Confederation, that bound the states, they could not change the Articles of Confederation in any way, shape, or form without unanimous consent, while the Constitution was ratified without unanimous consent and they began to function. Function so much so that they actually put pressure on some of the states by cutting their trade routes off and literally forcing them to need to agree to the Constitution of the United States. It was a very underhanded, uh, overbearing sort of thing that they did, but they did it in the best interest of the public. But uh, anyway, uh, that's sarcasm in case you're wondering. It was actually in the interest of the money powers, which were struggling because there were still pressures coming from England uh in doing business and they wanted to do business because people wanted to make money they weren't as interested in your freedom as they were in making money so anyway they the that constitution was ratified but uh you know illegally but it became law into acquiescence it was a real uh viable binding contract but and was it de jure or de facto? Well, again, to who? The people weren't a party to it. So it really didn't have anything to do with them. The term de jure and de facto are used instead of in law and in practice, respectively, Uh when one is describing political or legal situations. So they talk about things being in practice you know it's kind of like practicing medicine unfortunately when doctors practice medicine people still die and when the legal system practices (laughs) rather than actually deal with law jury just right and fair you often don't get justice so uh, de facto and de jure are very important concepts but they're almost always misunderstood at least in some aspect uh, "sweet suite day is a term I used in announcing this topic of de jure and de facto, and it actually has to do with, um, uh, things that go out of practice. They, we don't use them for so long, they say, oh, well, we don't do that anymore. Uh, and so it says a practice may exist de facto where, for example, the people obey a contract as though there were a law enforcing it, yet there is no such law. A process known as de suite today, and it comes from a Latin word also, de suite to do, uh, may allow de facto practices to replace obsolete de jure laws. On the other hand, practices may exist De and not be obeyed or observed by the people. And, of course, this is a, an important thing. I had somebody call me up from Florida the other day and had seen our article on uh, uh, J.C. Redemption versus UC Redemption. And the reality is, is uh, again, the solution is uh, people coming together because you need people observing the concepts of righteousness and justice in order for the people to get righteousness and justice. Well, most people aren't going to be observing these. They're not going to be diligent in the search of these, so therefore you have to find those people who are, and those people who are are the ones that hear his voice and come in his name, and those that aren't, no matter how much they go to church and sing, they aren't coming in his name, and they do not hear his voice, and they are not his sheep, and they are not a part of his community, and you should actually probably have nothing to do with them. Um, But that may be a process to come to that conclusion, because everybody's been so completely deceived, it may take you a while to find out whether or not they really want to hear Christ or not. And the closer you get to Christ, the more you will find those people doing those things, that, that big long list of things, backbiting and and arguing and and uh, battling and, and all these kinds of things and, and lying and deceiving and treacherous uh, things behind your back, when you start seeing those things they will start coming out, you'll know, oh, wait a minute, this is one of those I'm not to have anything to do with. I'm not supposed to pay their rent. I'm not supposed to take care of them. I'm not supposed to feed them. I'm not supposed to have anything to do with him. Now, if they were actually starving and they were wounded in a ditch, you might help them and bandage them up because you're supposed to give drink to your enemy, you're supposed to love your enemy, but you're not supposed to make your enemy rich <laughs> and comfortable in his foolishness. So therefore, you would not want to give to him in a way that would make him comfortable in his foolishness, make him comfortable in his laziness. Make him comfortable in his irresponsibility. But you don't want to see him die either. So, you know, when it says give drink to thy enemy, it doesn't say give him milk and honey. It just says give drink, you know, bread and water kind of thing. And, you know, a little bit of beans too, that's okay. <laughs> but the point is, is that you have to have discretion in what who you deal with and who you stay with and who you work with and who you don't because there comes a time when you have to dust off your sandals and say, peace on your house because it ain't my house because we don't do that here in the kingdom. We don't lie and cheat and deceive and and all these things. We do something else. So back to de facto and de jure, are you in the kingdom by practice Ah, are you in a kingdom of righteousness? We we sometimes think that those two things, a de jure and de facto, are like opposite. You know, you're either de facto or you're de jure. Well, if de jure is in law and de facto is in practice, you can actually be de jure and de facto at the same time because you're doing it in law and in practice. (laughs) <laughs> okay, because law again, the word jur a there really has to do not with lex legis, binding agreements, law, in that sense, but has to do with right, justice, mercy, and righteousness. It's like when in the Bible you see seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The word they translate righteousness there is actually numerous. Uh, Even theologians will tell you that the word would be better translated justification, be justified. In other words, be as God would be, have his character. What is God's character? God's character is a character of service. So again, if you want the kingdom of God to be a real thing, you have to become a doer of the word. You have to be doing what Christ did. You have to be doing what Christ said to do, which is to love one another in the form of real service. And you cannot do that unless you do what? Congregate. you got to be there. And when you congregate, then you can start practicing righteousness. If you don't congregate, you just go off in your own little comfortable world and do your own little comfortable thing. And, you know, I, I helped somebody the other day change a tire. The other 99% of the day I did whatever I dang well pleased. Well, that ain't kingdom. Kingdom is dropping what would please you and going and doing what is right for others. There's a local group out here... uh Charles Stewart, I think, uh, runs it, and uh, they've got somebody in jail, I'm not sure all the details to it. I can't read through all of his emails. They come and go. But uh, they evidently had a call, and they called for money to be put aside in a trust fund to help with this guy's bail or something. I don't know what it was. Uh, And after their big call and request, the amount of money remains at $64.23 I thought that was a funny amount uh, which I'm pretty sure his bail was more than that <laughs> I don't know what it is but I don't think it's $64.23 and I did catch in his email that uh, Lewis Ewing was uh, screwing things up uh, or at least he thought they were and that could be true and these are names you might hear from time to time Um but the reality is is that all their emails and all their motivation doesn't seem like kingdom they want to be free but they don't seem to want anybody else's freedom as much as they want their own that's a real problem everybody's not going to be free in that sense I, I you know have said everybody will be free but everybody won't su- survive freedom and maybe everybody will never be free, but the reality is if you want to be free, you have to start freeing others. You have to start caring about others as much as you care about yourself, and that's as a really an important part of the kingdom. So how do you do that if you don't congregate together? if you don't work together as a congregation and become the government of God, which is a government of the people for the people and by the people where the people do not force each other to contribute to their personal welfare at the point of a gun or as a result of a democratic vote. You come together in a voluntary society of free will offerings, but it doesn't mean you're not organized. So anyway... Let's go down under and see what they have to say now i've I glean little pieces out of a lot of emails that go and I try to answer them on the weekend and these calls um, we got a little less than forty five or about forty five minutes to the end of the show so let's go through some of these and you guys all think of good questions that you can either put in the chat room or you can uh, uh, call in with but we'll answer some of these things
1: let's give them uh, a- do
0: we have Yes, Paul?
1: Let's give the number two four one four three nine five two four four two.
0: 414 Okay. And uh, so here's the first thing I, I'll read here. Do we have faith that someday it will be on earth as it is in heaven? Referring to the kingdom. Everybody is looking for the kingdom as if it's going to be everywhere in the whole world and everybody in the whole world will be at absolute peace and there will be no problems anymore anywhere in the whole world. And that's not the way the kingdom works. It's never worked that way. Even in the kingdom of heaven, there are wars. I mean, we see that. And it tells us almost nothing about the heaven in the Bible. Whatever this heaven is, this kingdom of heaven, or this, uh, this heavenly realm that we might go to after death, or evidently even before death, if, but for some people. So what is that? You know, we have all these pictures that come to us of Renaissance and catechisms, but that doesn't, uh, it's not, they're not drawn from anything you can read in the Bible. So where do they get all that stuff? The reality is, is that the one thing we do know from the Bible is it was a huge war, and they had to fight angels and cast them out, and then they end up down here causing mischief and trouble. So, what's what's all that about? And so I I would not I I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but I'll bet you you don't either. <laughs> That's so, but anyway, back to Mark's question is. Uh kingdom of heaven is here right now. It's at hand. It's just not what you think it is. It's being content with what God gives you and being happy for the opportunity of giving what he gives you away to others. And though he may slay you, you will still serve him not because you have to because you want heaven afterwards you want the great retirement program this simply because it's in your nature to do things the way christ would do them it's not this big struggle all the time not to say that there isn't struggle from time to time but that's heaven is heaven totally without pain it's not totally without war it's not totally without conflict. It's not totally without enemies. You know, so what What do you think heaven is? So what do you think the kingdom of heaven at earth? A kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is not dependent on anybody else but you and God in you. That's the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't mean that you will never have pain or difficulty. It means that you have purpose. And you have a righteous purpose. And that's sufficient. Are we comfortable with the possibility that our person, self, body, may never be free But the things that you do will ultimately set others free. That's a very interesting statement. That is a very interesting statement because if you're here to set yourself free more than to free others, you got a problem. How can the Holy Spirit of God, which wants to see you free, even willing to give up Christ's own life so that you be free, that if that spirit is not in you, you won't be free, period. No chance, no way. You're not going to be free. You're going to have the illusion of freedom, but you will not be free. Okay, it says here, it seems there is a kind of selfish spirit with a lot of the freedom movement. They think they can only offer advice and help if they are first out instead of pointing to Christ. But I understand it is because they don't know him. A lot of the good they do is in vain and compared to the way, just a waste of time and effort. So anyway, I think that was all Mark uh, saying that. And it's true. We have been plagued with tax protesters and the Freedom Movement, which has become synonymous with I want to be free and keep my stuff and I don't want to help anybody else out unless it really makes me feel real good what happened to cast your bread upon the waters you don't know if it helps anybody out and hope that it might come back to you that's a voluntary society you help others and you actually give real help that makes them stronger and you only hope that it comes back to you So anyway, i got another thing. Here it says, Claude, it's okay to change the agreement with Caesar with his approval. Private administrative process. Uh, Yeah, it's not really changing the agreement. It's just advocating another part of the agreement. And what was the agreement? What are the details of the agreement? What did he have authority of? Well, this takes us back to what I was talking about to begin with. The ministers societies all the way back to Pharaoh, back to uh, even Nimrod's time, were free. They were not bound in the same way. But now, when we use the word minister, we have to define that because there's all kinds of ministers out there. There are many ministers who are bound. We usually call them administers. But true ministers of Christ are bound by Christ. They can't be bound by others because they completely belong to Christ. Now, that's a a real quick statement. Completely belong to Christ. The Levites belonged to God. The apostles belonged to Christ. The apostles and those ministers were doing the same role as the early Levites. They never stood, the early Levites or the apostles, stood between you and God. That wasn't their purpose. You were still to have a relationship with God. They didn't always do that. And your relationship with God made you, uh, and circumstance, made you the elder of your family, and as the elder of your family, you were the government of God. You were the state. And the ministers were simply that, ministers of the state, and they worked for you and God. But in order to keep them obedient to God alone, when you gave your offering, you gave it completely. This kept you from becoming a corporate entity where part of your rights were gone or no longer had access to, and they were the representatives of your government, but they were titular. God's kingdom was always a pure republic. It is even in heaven. It's a pure republic with God as its head. So anyway, uh, he goes on to say, "My understanding is that only the true church can do this." Caesar agrees that the church is excluded. Very important word. That's his word. He wrote that, but that's right out of the statutes in the U.S. And actually, I've looked at. Um, religious orders in Australia originally when I was doing my study on this way back when, and it seems to comply with all of our statutes, although I don't know all their numbers there in Australia. But the church has been excluded since the days of Pharaoh, but it's the true church, not all these social clubs posing as churches. Uh, from the sin of the entire world including debt but first we have to be it be it be the church that's true I mean he's hitting it right on the head there I often wonder what these walk the plankers mean when they say they are out out of the frying pan into the fire I don't believe they are truly out at all neither are they in the kingdom and in quotes here Uh, that's 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 true I don't believe they're out and I certainly don't believe they're in the kingdom Uh, if they want to think they're out that's fine but the reality is is yeah without the numbers uh, one of these days you're not going to be able to go into the store what's going to happen when we have another round of foreclosures and and the foreclosures start going over into the business sectors and You know, the only thing that is propping up the U.S. dollar right now is the fact that everybody else worldwide is in the toilet. Euro is in terrible, terrible trouble. Uh, So, and the same thing is coming up for the Chinese yen. Uh, They're talking serious foreclosures and bankruptcies throughout China this year. We just heard rumors that China is going to be controlling the forests near us and controlling the logging of it. And they may exclude people from going up there and cutting firewood, which will be interesting. They'll have a, have a heck of a time with that. But uh, we've already seen the Forest Service for the last five, ten years been arming themselves uh, like a, a regular military force. <laughs> uh, so maybe they're going to keep us from getting firewood. <laughs> Out here in the desert, That's a that could be kind of a problem, but it won't be. We have alternatives. Uh, that's what we're about. kingdom has all kinds of alternatives. But anyway, uh, he goes on to say, settling account privately with Caesar, one may not have to make so many Egyptian bricks and can apply more effort to the kingdom of God. K-O-G, I guess, stands for kingdom of God. Uh, the way I understand... Uh, It's only those who have all things in common do not have to make Egyptian bricks because they will have no mud and straw of their own. It will all belong to God. That's actually not 100% accurate, but uh, what he's talking about is, you know, the phrases in the Bible where they talk about they had to keep uh, uh, paying their tally of bricks, but they weren't going to get any more straw. Those are metaphors for benefits. Most Israelites did not make bricks. That's not what that was about. Uh, most, many of the Israelites were stone cutters and bankers, and I mean, even uh, Moses' own brother knew the arts of the temple. Uh, there were extremely wealthy Israelites, and there were there were poor Israelites who were brickmakers. But those were metaphors for uh, benefits. They had to pay their telly bricks, but they weren't going to get their benefits. You're going to see that in America. You're going to see that in Australia. You're already seeing signs of it where they don't have cost of living increases for Social Security payments and welfare payments. But you're going to see where people get less and less benefits, but they're going to keep taxing more and more and more. And it has to be that way because they're just raising the debt, raising the debt, raising the debt. And eventually, you know, it's like bailing and you can't bail fast enough. So, But the reason the church doesn't have to pay the tally of bricks is because the church is the government of God. It's doing the same job, and you'll actually find a quote from the the IRS on this subject. The church is supposed to be doing the job of government because the church is a government. It's not supposed to be supplementing the world government It's supposed to be the government of God. And if we would do that, we would have so much surplus, we could actually help the people of the world. And that's what Moses and the people discovered, that they not only fared well through these difficult times, they were able to help those people round about them in their own society because their community was so well off because they began to practice all the precepts of the kingdom. If we were doing that, we would not have a single home of anybody within our congregations foreclosed on. We could avoid that. And if we did have one, we would have them in another home pretty quick. But it would take unselfish people gathering together in a network to make that happen. And that's hard to find those unselfish people. They would become not only so well off they could uh, that they could help themselves they could actually help others now it doesn't mean that our standard of living might not shift a bit but people would be better off but now you can immediately see if this message went out we'd have it's like some kind of prosperity gospel and we'd have all kinds of lazy people saying oh I want to be a part of them because they'll pay my rent uh, that, you know they'll pay my mortgage off for me no God helps those who help themselves. He who does not work does not eat. But those of you who are industrious, hardworking, generous people and come together with love of one another in mind, yeah, you're going to find us and others in the network wanting, willing to help you with real needs. But we have gone so far down the wrong road. We are not going to turn around overnight. It's going to take a little bit of time, and it's going to take a little bit of overtime to become the Dajur government of God in practice. So anyway, we'll be back in a moment to Keys of the Kingdom, and we'll maybe take a look. At Chuck Baldwin, and these
2: Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be, don't tread on me. LibertyRadioLive.com
3: The Greatest Prophecy DVD from Cross the Border Productions Embrace the little known. The greatest prophecy given by the great high priest the once secret plan for mankind at the first sacrificial event. Believe it. Behold the end times in Daniel chapter 2, because the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation, deception, be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion, because if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect, be forewarned. America, in prophecy, exposed for all to see. You must see it. The mark of the beast. No, it's not a biochip implant. A much better and more secure technology is already here, and you are already using it. We will bonus you with a free copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work the Inquisition, when you send a support donation of $20 to First Amendment Radio. Visit the shopping page at our website or send $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Larry Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Send your support donation of $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, Avenue, Tulare, California, or $30 U.S. for international priority mail outside the U.S.A. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the times to come. Will you be ready? The Greatest Prophecy DVD Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church. The whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them, if not you?
2: Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now
3: listen to me.
0: Welcome back to Kings of the Kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom in relationship to community and relationship to government and relationship to God and relationship to each other because it's all about relationships. And the nature of those relationships is all about righteousness or unrighteousness. And the, and categorizing your relationships in those ways will make a huge difference in the outcome. And Chuck Baldwin wrote an article, uh, and I took that and put it in my notes too, and he mentions the National Defense Authorization Act, which is really kind of an interesting title. I always love the way they make these titles up, like the Insurance Portability Act. actually made it a law that you had to have a social security number to get a driver's license, a business license, a marriage license, anything. You had to have a social security number. And that was eventually codified. That was an act, a bill, and it was eventually codified in the U.S. statutes, and that went under Title 42. It it changed uh, a number of different statutes. They're all different titles, like Title 26 was changed partly. Title 42 was changed partly. But uh, Title 42, Section 666, was changed to state that you had to get it have this social security number to do almost anything I mean you you can't get a business license car license driver's license any kind of commercial license even a marriage license without that social security number and that is section 666 of title 42 so go go figure but anyway his article was about the he doesn't bring that up very often a national (laughs) defense authorization act which is also called the Indefinite Detention Act, which allows the government to arrest people uh, who are suspected of terrorism and hold them indefinitely without a trial. And I say suspected of terrorism because they don't have to actually prove that you're a terrorist. They just have to suspect that you're a terrorist, and they can hold you forever. That's an amazing power. I haven't seen that since Tiberius. Uh, Tiberius made it a law where it was against the law to be a suspect. If If they suspected you of harboring thoughts against the government under Tiberius, you could be arrested and thrown in jail. I mean, that's why Sojanichin was in jail. He didn't do anything. He just wrote a letter to a friend and somebody saw it, and he went to jail, went to the gulag. That's law in America today. It's only a matter of time till they come for you. But I don't want you doing anything out of fear. I want you doing everything out of love, so forget I said that. So anyway, uh, there's a new law they got coming up, uh, H.R. 3166. That's not the code. That's the statute. And it also has an S-1698, also known as the Enemy Expatriation Act, sponsored by Joe Lieberman. Uh, That's got to be good. And Charles Dent of Pennsylvania. And uh, anyway, the bill... Uh, would give the U.S. government the power to strip Americans of their citizenship. Actually, that would be more properly said. Strip United States citizens of their citizenship without being convicted of being hostile against the United States. In other words, you could be stripped of your, he says, nationality, U.S. citizenship for, for engaging for purposefully and materially supporting hostilities against the United States. Legally, the term hostilities means any conflict subject to the laws of war, but considering the fact that the war on terror is a little ambiguous and encompassing, any action could be labeled as supporting terrorism. But anyway, let's go back to that Talk about uh, the laws of war. Remember, they have a war on poverty. <laughs> so that would be war. I mean, you have generals in char- war on drugs. A- every time you turn around, they got a war on something. It's not just terrorism. These these bills in the right hands could have everybody in the country arrested in about 20 minutes if that was physically possible um you know there'll be war on public uh, uh endangerment and they they just had a uh a, a sheriff i forgot what where it was but he's got about 800 sheriff deputies underneath him so it's a pretty big uh i think it's down in san francisco or something uh he uh, was seen by somebody grab his wife's arm in a family dispute, and uh, they reported it to the district attorney, and the district attorney has him arrested for um, uh, spousal abuse, and is therefore because he's been ar- going to be arrested today, he's not going to be able to have a gun, so the sheriff can't have a gun anymore. So... <laughs> his wife says she doesn't have any argument with him. She has no complaint against her husband, and she didn't bring any complaint. Uh, But some neighbor or somebody who uh, saw him take his wife by the arm and thought he did it too rough is now got the sheriff arrested. And the district attorney says, I must do my duty. (laughs) So uh, anyway, they're not going to have a sheriff there pretty soon, evidently. Uh, of course, he's fighting it. But he also, because of this accusation of a neighbor, he has to move out of the house. He can't stay with his wife anymore. <laughs> and his wife can't let him come to her house anymore. She, you, know, you got to remember, she hasn't made any complaints. She was standing up with him at the press conference saying, I don't have any complaint against my husband whatsoever. And yet, now they can't be together. He has to go find someplace else to live, and she can't let him come over because <laughs> the neighbors saw him grab her arm. You know, I don't know what the circumstances were, but this is ridiculous. Uh, and I've seen even worse. I'm, I'm telling you, the law has gotten so bizarre. That you know, I've seen this totally bankrupt a family, totally destroy and devastate a family. You know, I could I could go into just a horrendous story that I've seen not too far away from here. And I'm not saying the husband wasn't a bit of a jerk, but he he didn't even grab his wife. <laughs> but uh, statements were made in the presence of a police officer, and now he can't live at home, can't go near his home. Uh, His wife needs help, needs him there, wants him there. Can't do it. Government says they can't be together anymore. They didn't ask the police to do anything. (laughs) She called up the police because she was worried about her husband. (laughs) Now she can't see her husband. He can't come to the house. Can't be near each other. He's lost his job because of this supposed non-complaint complaint. complaint. And... uh, it's just bizarre. It's just completely gotten out of hand. Uh, but anyway, the point is is that they're making these laws, but there's no justice. We don't have a justice system. And we had a Bible study here in the local community, and I brought up some things uh, knowing who was at the table. And I, I said that I don't believe in the penal system of the United States and of any country. Because I don't believe that that the juror jury, jurist, justice, righteousness has anything to do with penalties. Now immediately people say, Oh no, I don't I don't go along with that, we need a penal system. One of these guys is a correctional officer, his son is a correctional officer and they think of course this is important. Correctional officers, not the same thing as a penal institution. It's just another one of those word games they're doing. Uh, what they're, We should not be having trials in courts for the purposes of punishing the wicked. Christians should not be involved in the concept of punishing the wicked. That is God's job. And you can go to the Old Testament and the New Testament talks about we are not to be doing things based on vengeance. We simply are not supposed to be doing that. That is not our job. That is God's job. We are supposed to be doing things based on righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean that you will never arrest somebody or put them into jail, but the purpose you put them into jail is to protect the innocent, and even them. It's not for the purposes of punishment. If you start doing, dealing with, attending to the law, judgment, mercy, and faith, for the purposes of punishing the wicked, then you just took over God's job. You should be doing it for the purposes of righteousness, so that righteousness is done, so that the innocent are not hurt, and so that people you know, uh, don't get themselves, you know, like somebody who's drunk or out of control, and you make them stand in the corner and you put bars in front of the corner. <laughs> That's why they're in jail. You know, uh, because they're not acting like an adult, reasonable individual. But you don't do it to punish them. If your intent is to punish, you will not get justice. You will just get punishment. You will just get anguish and anger and resentment. And so that's an important little tidbit. What does that have to do with seeking the kingdom? It has to do a lot with seeking the kingdom because when you try to form those congregations, you're going to have people coming together in those congregations that don't really have kingdom in them. They're just plank walkers and patriots who for profit and they're people who want to be free but don't really care about your freedom. They will give you a lot of lip service and freedom a lot of lip service, but they're not really. But they will be there for other motives. And you will find that out in the course of what you do. We don't realize that when you start going over to the idea of caring about others as much as you care about yourself, doing for others, waiting upon others, serving others, that simple concept, not for the purposes of weakening them or getting... uh, a good name for yourself, but just because you want to serve others and help others and make them strong, teach them how to serve, it changes you because now the Holy Spirit can enter into you. So now we're talking about the metaphysical side of the kingdom, the spiritual side of the kingdom. If you start going the ways of the kingdom, it will change you. What you see in these laws it's not the laws this uh hr 31 house resolution 3166 or or the uh, national defense authorization act those things are evidence of a problem they are coming from a certain spirit it is a diminutive spirit of evil who wants to exercise authority more and there's not enough authority to exercise They want more and more and more and more, and they find anybody who's thinking outside of their little constructed box of power as the enemy. Baldwin went on to uh, point out that the MIAC State of Missouri reported uh, supporters of Ron Paul, Bob Barr, and Chuck Baldwin were identified as potential dangerous militia members and Missouri state law enforcement officials were notified to be on guard. Beyond that, anyone that identified themselves as being pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, anti-Federal Reserve Christians were, uh, who believe in the return of Christ and even returning uh, Iraq war veterans were likewise targeted as potentially dangerous to Missouri state law enforcement personnel. You know, that's paranoia. You're going to see a lot of paranoia in the world to come. You're going to see it, and it's also self-interest, which is what you're... You've created this selfish society, and you're surprised that you got selfish leaders. They're going to elect wicked people because they themselves are wicked. When did they become wicked? When they started coveting their neighbor's goods through the agency of government. When you started becoming a socialist state, when did that happen? When you started getting medicare and and uh health care? No, it started when you had public schools. It started when you before the civil war. It started when you thought that it was okay to take away from your neighbor so that you could have things better that you could tax your neighbor and force him to contribute to your welfare. Because when you do that, what should have been for your welfare will become a snare and a recompense, and the Holy Spirit will not enter into you, and you will become blind. You will not see the cause of your own bondage. And you will sit there and try to vote for somebody else as if, if I elect this guy, I will be free. You will not be free by electing that guy. Were you free when you elected Saul? You rejected God, and God said because you rejected him. In your day of calamity, he would not hear you. You haven't listened to him. Why should he hear you? So now listen to him. Repent. Turn around. Seek the kingdom. The kingdom is where you have the right to be ruled by God. Seek it. Don't pretend to jump into it. Don't imagine you're in the kingdom. Start coming together and caring for one another the way Christ cared for you. If you're not doing that, then you do not love Christ. So everybody, everybody listening to this, everybody who is not listening to this now, but maybe yet he to hear it someday, should immediately go to hisholychurch.org or else run out on the street and say, I want to gather together with somebody who's seeking righteousness. I want to, I want to gather with others to help serve mankind in a way that we will strengthen mankind and become a viable society, a viable republic in the heart of this crazy empire. Everybody should be doing that. And those who are willing to work and do that, you should support them by picking PCMs and ministers of record, forming congregations and networks of congregations, and actually start helping one another. Because if you don't, why would God want to help you? That's what he told you to do. Go and preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Preach it to every creation, every institution that you create. Bring the kingdom to When we talk about things like credit unions and a his church credit unions, it will make no difference unless you gather together with virtuous people who care about each other, who will change the course of their life so that your life will be better. And they're doing that because they think and believe you will do the same. If you give me cause to believe that you will not do the same, then I'm probably not going to help you as much. It's back to bread and water. <laughs> you're not you're not going to get uh, fancy and, and good and, and wholesome stuff. You're just going to get enough. If that's all you do is just enough, or maybe not even that. So maybe I'll dust my feet off and say, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to spend time on you anymore. I've got others to spend time on." So anyway, we're coming to the end of another show. Uh, we got a little bit of time left. Uh, anything come up in the chat room I should know about, Paul?
1: I <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think uh, <laughs> there's a lot of chatting amongst each other.
0: Okay. Uh, any announcements we ought to make? Uh, anything that we should bring to the people's attention? Anything on your heart? Uh, I see a bunch of other quotes here I could read, but
1: uh, uh. Well, I saw I saw a comment in the chat room. If you scroll up a little bit, from Bro Mark, that I didn't really understand, but it says three question marks. Did you know your words are being heard globally today? And any he lists a bunch of countries. And I'm uh, not sure if there's something special underlying that question or not.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Okay. I don't know.
0: We may have a, another radio program I'm going to be a guest on tomorrow at 4, I think it is. I don't know. I send out a little bit of a notice on that. Um uh, I haven't got confirmation back on that, but it's uh, it actually will be on radio stations in Florida and uh, New York. Uh, Real radio. It's yeah, it's on, it's on an uh, it's the program's called the Cafe, and uh, it'll be on the internet radio too, and we'll send out the links uh, on that so that people can and. I have never heard these guys before, uh, but anyway, they're talking about uh, having me on, and I just was looking to see if I got a confirmation of that. Oh, but uh, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Still, still lost. <laughs> That's <laughs> but okay. I, I'll let I'll let everybody know who's on the Kingdom News List. Uh,
1: Watch the Living Network.
0: <laughs> and the Living Network. Uh, So everybody should be already belonging to the Living Network and uh, looking to see who else is in the chat room. I don't know all the people who aren't in the chat room, so (laughs) we're listening. Hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, A couple of those I don't recognize. but uh, uh, Yeah, one of the guys who uh, is going to be on the show to interview me is in Texas. The other one's in Toronto. So we'll see. But I think being guests on other shows will help. Uh, bring more people to what we're doing, and that's really what we have to start doing. We have to start shoveling that gravel and sand into the sluice box, and see if we can't find some more gold nuggets coming out,
1: <laughs> or at least a little specks,
0: huh? Yeah, because uh, you know, we do get a lot of flakes. <laughs> 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 but all that glitters is not gold. I think there's some pyrite a in there. Little pyrite. That. <laughs> 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 but uh, it's fun gold mining, and never know what's going to show up in the pan next. So. <laughs> but anyway, I want to encourage everybody. You know, I harped on it enough that they start forming those congregations of record. Get on that network and start making connections, and firm up those connections so they're not just email connections. We want to get those connections with real people. And we're gonna we're gonna have constant shifting and you know where people come and go, uh, but uh, that's why Christ had to say things like He who perseveres into the end. So Claude in Australia says hi, and Doug in is that uh, this is Doug in Tennessee? Oh, okay, and, uh,
1: Tennessee, Arkansas. Lots of people putting up signs.
0: <laughs> yeah they're waving and uh, I think uh, wave back yeah I'm waving back
1: <laughs> he really is yeah. too you
0: know. <laughs> say again yeah he really did I have yes. witnesses here, here's yep. David Cosser and he'll say <laughs> Here, David will say hi hello everybody yep I saw him he was a waving <laughs> <laughs> David so I'm a witness how you doing
1: Paul wonderful good, good to hear from you
0: yeah, you too yeah, we're enjoying this radio broadcast, so right uh right in person. And you can do. Come on over. <laughs> <work>. <laughs> I'm not just talking to Paul, I'm talking to everybody out there. Come on over. <laughs> Here's Gregory. Yeah, so uh anyway, uh and he's on the across here. I don't know if he wants to say anything. He's not reaching for the phone, so he's waving. <laughs> Yeah, that phone thing, it's a little scary at times. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he, he's not really all that afraid of the phone. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I see uh, Gordon. Uh, let's see who else here that I've met. I don't know who Sin Baby is.
1: Uh, well, we got a funny. call coming in.
0: we got a call coming in. We better get it quick because we're yep, running out we're of running time.
1: time. You're on the air. Can you hear us? Yeah. You're on the air. Can you
0: hear us? you Turn on your radio. Yes. Don, your radio. yes. Don, your radio. Hello, who's this? Hi, uh, I'm calling from Florida, and we appreciate you um, teaching us all this stuff. We had um, also two other persons connected on the internet. I'm listening to you on the internet. Uh huh. Now I've heard this lady's voice before uh you're from Romania originally, yeah, 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 I'm the person <laughs> right, you're the person well, that's uh we should get our European guy uh whoever's on the European group or anybody uh, to write those other people in Romania and we'll get them in touch with you too and you're down in Florida, and we've got it we'll see if we get more people, but we're at the end of the show. Thanks for the call <laughs> Thank you, thank you much bye. God
4: bless. Bye. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures books and other audio materials please write to His Church at Summer Lake Box 10 Summer Lake, Oregon 97640 You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net